Aqua Lads and Aqua Lasses, welcome back into the Aqua Cave for the latest edition of Starman, the show where we go through Dave Meltzer's list of worst reviewed matches of all time. We watch the match and we take it to court to see if we find it guilty or not guilty of Dave's star ranking. We're still going through the negative two portion of the list. I had promised or threatened, you decide, that the negative two star matches were uh, deep. And we're continuing the portion that covers that in hopes to someday get to the matches that are a lot worse. But today's docket includes at least one match that I feel should probably be a little bit higher or lower, uh, depending on how you decide to look at it. But... I want to point out that today's show is going to actually travel back to the past. Uh, Our last episode covered the King of the Road match from March of 1995. We are going to continue in March of 1995 with another match from the Uncensored 95 pay-per-view. Yes! (laughs) I love that show. Uh, But we're also going to travel back one month to February of 1995 as well. Now, this show is a three-match show. However, I would like to let you know that only two matches will be covered on this episode of Starman. The third match can be found over on the North-South Connection Podcast Network in the Multiverse of Fabulousness, another show that I produce over on the North-South Connection Podcast feed, where in episode 13 of that show, we uh, produced a little aqua sampler, which again, I apologize for using. But we did little mini-episodes of Starman, Brightman and Kingfish in that episode, so I definitely recommend giving it a listen, where we covered a match between the King himself, the notorious M-A-B-L-E or M-A-B-E-L, ah, fuck it, I don't know how to spell Mabel, the notorious Mabel, the King Mabel versus Yokozuna from the Great White North, it was a happening. But I promised, again, or threatened, that we'd be in February of 1995. It's Super Brawl 5. It's WCW in the thralls of the, oh my god, Hogan's on top and we don't know what to do era. Uh, We're bringing you a special grudge match. And let's get a little bit of context, as we usually do here on Starman. Because after all, we don't know why these folks are fighting if we don't have context. It's brother versus brother, as Gary Michael Capetta lets us know. Out first, accompanied by the Butcher, seeking sanctuary in the Conk Republic, the diabolical Kevin Sullivan. Yes, folks, it's Kevin Sullivan. As he comes down the ring, to the ring with the Butcher, he's making a sound the entire time. It sounds a little bit like, hey, but it could also be, a. <laughs> so he's either the Canadian or the Fonz. I'm not quite sure. I'll let you decide. Up next is Dave or Evad Sullivan, his brother. I'm doing the finger quotes thing on that one. And he's wearing a red bathrobe. Now, I have no idea what this character is all about. Except that he's, I guess you could politely say, a prototypical Eugene. Um, for better or worse. But thank God, Tony Schiavone here, the consummate professional that he is, lets us know a little bit more about the Evad or Dave character and why this storyline match is happening. And I quote, Stripped of the magic slippers, the boots Hulk Hogan used to defeat Andre the Giant. Then they cut his hair and they cut his robe off. So folks, it's a brother versus brother grudge match because Kevin Sullivan in his evil diabolical games master taskmasterness uh, destroyed 
what Evad called the magic slippers, the boots bequeathed to him by Hulk Hogan that the Hulkster used to defeat Andre in front of 93,000, question mark, in the Pontiac Superdome. Um, it sounds like, again, most things in this era boil down to Hulk Hogan, and this is no exception. Uh, Kevin hates Hulk Hogan, Dave loves Hulk Hogan, and that is that. The bell rings, so let's have order in the court for the case of the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, with the Butcher, versus Evad Sullivan, in a brother versus brother special grudge match, as is usual during the evidence portion. I will try to let my vocal inflection let you know if it is positive or negative evidence. Uh, the opening sequence involves Dave beating on Kevin, tossing Kevin outside, and then hitting a cheap shot on the butcher and then throwing Kevin back in. Ten turnbuckle rams by uh, Dave Sullivan now to his brother. It's elementary, but that's kind of what the character is all about, and so it makes sense, and that's okay. Uh, Dave then struggles to whip Kevin into the ropes. And it's not the Dave Sullivan character, it's Dave Sullivan the person. Kevin the person then seems to slap Dave Sullivan on the arm to say, Slow down! You're going too fast! Father! Dave Sullivan is a shitty wrestler! And the business is exposed. Dave Sullivan's next big offensive move is awkwardly running into Kevin after being bounced off of the ropes. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, Butcher then trips Dave Sullivan when Dave is up against the ropes, and Bobby the Brain Heenan says, Oh no, I think his knee gave out on him, Tony! Kevin Sullivan in control, and it is so entertaining that the announcers talk about the Butcher's reconstructed face, I guess trying to get him some face sympathy? I don't really know why, but I'll learn shortly. Dave Sullivan can't seem to pull off a convincing little gut kick. I've talked about this maneuver, The patented Stone Cold Steve Austin little gut kick that he uses to set up the stunner, Dave can't even do that. I will say, though, it kind of does feel like two brothers fighting, which is what they're going for. Because, you know, uh, it's not as if they're painting a picture of deep emotional and familial stakes at hand, but they feel like brothers fighting because they're pushing and shoving and biting and fighting like a couple of 10-year-olds, which is around the age that I would expect brothers to get into a fight. Dave then gets hit with a hard chop, counters with a kick, and almost falls over while delivering the counter. (laughs) I should note now that the match is so exciting that Tony and Bobby are no longer discussing it. They've decided to throw shade at the Baltimore Orioles for, I guess, having a shitty 94-95 season. Evad is then tossed outside, and Brutus, the butchering disciple of the own rams him into the steps. I think I covered all the gimmicks there, but if I forgot one, let me know on Twitter at the Johnny C. Uh, the Evad character then throws punches at ghosts to sell that his skull is in pain after getting rammed into the steps. Back in the ring, Dave takes control and tries to do the neck hang. Now, if you're not familiar with the neck hang, it comes straight from World Championship Wrestling for the Nintendo Entertainment System, and it involves picking up your opponent. Uh, using both hands and picking up your opponent by the neck and choking them. However, Kevin Sullivan forgets to jump, and the move fails. Uh, In an attempt to further expose the business, they just redo the spot. So there you go. I now notice, and I'm almost 100%, that the character Ming is sitting in the front row on the camera side wearing sunglasses and a suit. I'm not going to continue to watch Super Brawl 5, 
to probably get to the Colonel Rob Parker match that involves him interfering, but I'm pretty sure he's there. Dave goes back to the tired and true 10 head rams into the turnbuckle, but hey, around 5, the crowd starts to count along, so good for you, Evad. Uh, The Butcher is now on the apron, distracting referee Randy Anderson, but Randy Anderson goes over to count a pinfall by Dave. It's not actually a pinfall, though, because Dave decides to uh, sit up instead of a lateral press and punch Kevin Sullivan in the face. This whole time, Butcher is standing on the ring apron, and while it's fine, it, it just looks weird, and it reeks of timing being off. I don't really know any better way to explain it. Kevin Sullivan is up. Dave is up. Kevin pushes Dave into the Butcher. Uh, Skull kisses Skull. The Butcher sells this like grim death. Bobby Heenan yells that Dave must be knocked out because of the screws and bolts and plates inside the Butcher's head. Kevin Sullivan wraps up Dave with the schoolboy. He also applies a massive wedgie of the tights, which not only gives him additional leverage, but exposes Dave's buttocks and gets the one, two, three. Look, guys, this one is an easy call. As you could tell from the evidence, it's unfortunate because I don't have a lot of evidence to damn it, but the evidence that I've given you not only contains business exposure uh, from a multiple fronts, but it's just so boring to watch. There's like nothing to report back. And we've discussed this on the show. That is a true fire example of failing to be a positive star match, just being boring. It's also very elementary on both sides. I understand that the Dave Sullivan character should have elementary wrestling maneuvers, but that doesn't mean that Kevin Sullivan has to follow suit. The crowd is not invested. And this babyface character of Dave Sullivan is designed to draw sympathy. Simply, that's it. And it doesn't even do that. So it's a no-win situation from the get-go. I find the match extremely guilty. And I'm willing to say that it might be the second worst match that we've covered on the show. As it stands, the uncensored cage match between the NWO version of Macho Man Randy Savage and Hollywood Hulk Hogan remains the worst match we've covered because, again, it's a 20-minute long main event cage match that is very boring, has hardly any offense, and no finish. If this match was positioned to be the main event of a show, it would indubitably be the worst match in history of Starman, but I would honestly put this at like negative four in my opinion, but we're not here to do that, and so we find the match guilty, and I never want to see Dave Sullivan on my television screen again. The next contest here on Starman is our main event of the evening, and it propels us exactly one month back to the future as we once again find ourselves amongst the unique backdrop of Tupelo, Mississippi for WCW Uncensored 1995. The opening contest of which can be found in our previous episode, I'd like to note. I suppose, however, that one could make an argument that our next case should be viewed as the opening contest of the show, as it is the first exhibition of professional wrestling to be displayed in front of the live crowd. It is the case of Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus the Monster Ming with Colonel Rob Parker in a martial arts matchup. A little bit of context here. Immediately following the King of the Road match, we are sent to the backstage area where Mike Tanay is with Arn Anderson, Rob Parker, and Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. 
or Ming, if you would like to be a bit more literal. Arn Anderson cuts a fantastic wrestling promo, hyping his upcoming wrestler versus boxer match with Johnny B. Bad. Colonel Rob Parker thanks the blacktop bully for defeating Dustin Rhodes. He then rambles. Well, actually, rambling would be an improvement. He does indicate that Hacksaw Jim Duggan is, and I quote, <clears throat> shaking like a leaf on a fuzzy tree. It is clear to me that the Colonel Rob Parker character was absolutely used as the basis for the fictional character of Monsieur Calvin Candy that appears in the popular 2013 film Django Unchained and portrayed by legendary leader of the Pussy Posse, Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio. Leo! As the Colonel rambles and threatens that Ming will show us nine different forms of martial arts, Mike Tenay looks increasingly nervous with each new sentence that begins. He is eventually forced to cut off the Southern Gentleman, as we simply must move forward with the broadcast at this time. Mike sends us to a special video package that uses Rey Mysterio's WCW theme as its backdrop. It paints a picture of the ongoing rivalry between the monster and the hoe man. At Super Brawl 5, Hacksaw Jim Duggan made contact with the Colonel and caused his bodyguard Ming to get physical with the former footballer from Glen Falls, New York. The next week, Colonel Rob Parker filled out the necessary forms and paperwork that would allow Ming to transition from bodyguard to an active combatant in the wars of sports entertainment, and now one can only wonder what we will see in the martial arts matchup. We return to the backdrop of the arena as a gong sounds and a peaceful flute brings us Ming and the Colonel. Ming is carrying a black bag, hopefully containing a harpoon that he can later use when he needs Hacksaw to get over here. But I may be projecting. Ming plays to the crowd, and there is one citizen of Tupelo clearly unamused by the foreign antics of this match slash character. His arms folded tightly across his chest as if to say, I paid to see some old-fashioned American wrestling. And even though he's not in a public school, his Mississippi prayers are answered. As Hexal Jim Duggan emerges, carrying Old Glory and his trusted 2x4. Since this is a martial arts match, Hexal Jim Duggan is dressed like his favorite martial artist, Mr. Ray Jackson. And if you're not familiar with Ray Jackson, that is a character from the 1988 classic film Bloodsport and portrayed by Ogre himself, Mr. Donald Gibb. Okay, USA. The man is also taped up like he's fucking dark man. Seriously, Hacksaw, what's with all the tape? The Mississippi faithful erupt in favor of the former footballer as he mounts the turnbuckle and waves the stars and stripes. I can only imagine the size of the pop if he traded out the stripes for bars. But luckily, WCW knew better. Right? Special referee assigned to the contest, Sonny Ono. Now, if you're not familiar with Sonny Ono, he would go on to become an active character and be named Worst Manager of the Year for four years in a row, holding that title from 1996 to 1999, according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, which, of course, Starman holds as the gospel. Bobby lets us know that he is indeed familiar with our special guest referee, as he read all about the gentleman's wedding to share. And 
to put further emphasis on the brain's misgivings, he noticed that the referee also parked his car two nights ago at Benny Hanna's. The match has yet to begin. Tony lets us know, and I quote, There are certain formalities that they have to go through, and then they will get it on. Hexaw Jim Duggan, confused by these formalities, starts a USA chant. Tony says that there can be pins or knockouts. Finally, we have some understanding of rules. Sonny Ono lines up the competitors so they can bow to one another. Then they will bow to the official, and the contest can begin. The whole man is refusing to bow. Even the heel Colonel Rob Parker understands this is a necessary requirement in this contest and has his monster prepared to uh, you know, follow the rules of etiquette. Hacksaw Jim Duggan's response? Well, you guessed it. Another USA chant. Duggan then lines up and stomps like a sumo wrestler. Apparently, this is good enough, and now it's time to bow to the official. Get off my back, yells Duggan. I think what he meant to say was, don't tread on me, or perhaps stop the steal. Hexall Jim Duggan then accidentally bows to the ref when showing an example of how he won't bow to the referee. He then decides to bow to each side of the audience. Humorously, during a bow towards the entrance ramp, Sonny Bono approaches from behind Hexall, and for a moment, it appears that they are indeed engaged in some doggy-style sex. So as Tony had promised... They are now able to get it on. They formally line up, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan faints, taking a cheap shot at Ming as he bows. Truly, an American hero is on display. Hacksaw Jim Duggan looks to the crowd for approval, shouts out his favorite ho in the audience, and gives in to the ceremony by bowing to Sonny Ono like a little baby. We are so close to the match starting, but apparently the sumo stomp from earlier did not count and Ming is still owed a bow by the home man. Duggan wanders around the ring, distraught. Perhaps he should ask his gods, is this my time? Should I bow to the monster? Finally, Duggan puts up his dukes, goes to his marker, and bows. During the bow, Ming lets him know that he's wasted all of our time by kicking Hacksaw Jim Duggan square in the face. Much deserved indeed. Finally, the match begins. So order in the court for the case of the Monster Ming versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a martial arts match. Now, after delivering the aforementioned kick to the face of the Hacksaw, Ming poses and yells while Duggan is still on the ground. Now, the kick itself took place at timestamp 25 minutes and 51 seconds. At 26 minutes and 6 seconds, the posing ends, and Ming finally goes for the cover. He gets only two. However, if he had covered after the strike, he would have gotten a 15 count and won the match easily. Interesting note about this contest. To further get over the martial arts gimmick, Sonny Ono offers the count in Japanese and doesn't slam the mat as he counts. He yells the number and offers a hand movement for the general audience. Duggan, as mentioned, kicks out at 15, and suddenly he is at full strength. Business exposure? Or the player that selected Hacksaw Jim Duggan inserted a quarter? I will let you decide. Duggan offers American fisticuffs as his martial arts style, but Ming counters with the art of throat thrusts. In response, Jim Duggan announces his eligibility for WCW 2000's Boot Bowl 
by removing his own boot. He strikes the monster Ming with the boot. I believe this is one of the techniques of legendary martial art Shaq Fu. However, even after all of the boot strikes, Ming is still standing and he knocks Duggan down on his ass with one elbow. So we have a story. Ming is an unstoppable monster and a badass. Duggan removes his other boot, but Ming counters with the deadliest maneuver in the art of Yoko Funa, the nerve hold. Hexall Jim Duggan breaks the hold by slamming the boot into the exposed feet of Ming. Or, as Bobby the Brain puts it, he hit him into tootsies. The crowd is indeed getting restless. Ming kicks Duggan in the chest, but Hacksaw hulks up. He rips off his own shirt and fires back with fists of fire and fury. He then tries to use his own shirt to help matters out, as Tony Schiavone puts it, but it doesn't get him any sort of additional offense. And we find ourselves deeply rooted in Nerve Hold Part 2. During the nerve hold, Hacksaw is able to rip his shirt fully while dealing with the pain of the nerve hold, and Duggan breaks free and tries a shoulder tackle. However, Ming doesn't budge and kicks the Patriot Square in the face. The referee, Sonny Ono that is, breaks up a choke hold in the corner. When no joke, just about 40 seconds ago, Tony Schiavone launched into a deep soliloquy and put over on commentary that referees are only here at Uncensored to count pinfalls, not to break up holds or make five counts for potential disqualifications. Brand synergy indeed. The power of America gets Duggan back to a vertical base. But again, one fucking strike from Ming puts Hacksaw back on his ass, and the nerve hold returns. But so does the power of the stars and stripes. Duggan is now free from the nerve hold, and both athletes stand face to face. Hacksaw Jim Duggan headbutts Ming, and takes a back bump from the headbutt while Ming is unaffected. And you know what, folks? Logic be damned. I fucking love that spot. Hacksaw is defeated by his own maneuver and the hardness of the Mingster's skull. Ming hits another throat thrust. I give it a 5 on the unnecessary hand movements before striking scale, because Ming indeed does do a lot of unnecessary hand movements before striking the throat. Hacksaw Jim Duggan recoups and goes to the corner for 10 punches, but the crowd cannot keep up with the count. Sonny Ono then breaks the men apart, Hacksaw Jim Duggan is furious at this revelation and tries to toss the referee outside of the ring. Your hero, ladies and gentlemen. Duggan down into the three-point stance, a clothesline, and Ming is finally taken off of his feet. Duggan then celebrates his elementary accomplishment by waving to the fans. Ming, however, stands right up outside of Duggan's view. Colonel Parker then mounts the apron. Hacksaw Jim Duggan assaults the colonel and demands that he teach him the secret techniques of the seven herbs and spices. Ming sees that his mentor is in peril, offers Hacksaw an invitation to a one-man super kick party. One, two, three. My God. Now, fans, I went back and took a look at the beginning of this matchup, and a further analysis of this match reveals that the bell did indeed, indeed ring before all of the bowing shenanigans, and therefore those shenanigans are eligible to be considered in the verdict. 
this match is fucking in, indeed awful, okay? However, I have a deep-rooted hatred for Hacksaw Jim Duggan and for USA babyface gimmicks in general. Like, I really fucking hate them. And when you combine that with the hilarious Ming non-cells and the headbutt, I am indeed ready to render a verdict. I find this match not guilty of negative two stars. However, it's something I'd like to point out that doesn't actually matter. I do absolutely find it guilty of being at least a negative one star match. But again, like I mentioned, that doesn't count. I mean, the presentation itself is worth a watch. It's not that bad, and it's not that long. And if you hate Hacksaw Jim Duggan, folks, this is an easy match of the year candidate. But unfortunately, that will close out today's caseload. I want to thank you as always for coming back to hear what we have for you on Starman. Please remember to subscribe to the Aqua Cave podcast feed so you can get notified when new content drops. As always, I'm Johnny C. And never forget that a winner is you.